seems to be a central part of our lives. We uh, uh, plan our lives around the next meal. Uh, some of you plan your whole afternoon around uh, uh, a hayride, but even more importantly, the hot dogs and the s'mores, right? Because we've got, usually whenever we, uh, whenever we have a celebration of some sort, there's going to be food. Uh, it's, just, it's just a natural part of life. Uh, usually there's certain things that we want at certain times. So we crave, you know, I, I might uh, have a favorite sna- go-to snack when I'm going to watch the game, but that's going to be different than what I want to snack on mid-afternoon or what I'm, what my favorite meal is uh, when I'm going out to eat or whatever. But, but we, we, everything seems to, at some point, food is an important part of our lives. And so it's natural that we would base a sermon series on food, I guess. Uh, we're not going to be discussing gluttony or overeating, although that is mentioned in the Bible and we don't talk about it much probably because it hits too close to home, so uh, we don't bring it up a whole lot. But we're looking, we're not necessarily talking about food as much as meals, and we're looking at times when Jesus gathered with people around a meal. It probably didn't look like this. Not sure that they had A1 sauce back in, uh, back in biblical times. But, uh, but, but Jesus ministered to people. He connected with them. Uh, he, uh, he got close to them. He taught them many times in the context of a meal. And so as we look at some of those times, uh, we get, it's almost like we get to pull up to the table with Jesus and we get to connect with him and we get to listen to him and we get to uh, recognize not only what he was saying to those folks back then, but what the truths that also apply to our lives today as we have dinner with Jesus. So we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. Two weeks ago, we stopped into a party where Jesus was hanging out with and ministering to sinners and tax collectors. Last week, we watched a pretty crazy scene as an uninvited woman broke into the dinner party and just went way over the top in her expression of love and gratitude and worship for Jesus. And today, we're heading out into the country to uh to uh share uh well to see as uh, watch as Jesus share literally shares a meal with the multitude. So let's look at Matthew chapter 14 beginning in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he drew withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. 
Before we get too far into this, interesting fact, this is the only miracle in, that is, that is uh, recorded in all four of the Gospels. So the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, uh, written by uh, four different people. Uh, Matthew and John were uh, Jesus' disciples, and they get, were giving their firsthand account of what uh, what they had experienced as they ministered with Jesus and, and watched him through his ministry. Uh, Mark was around during that time, but uh, wasn't one of the disciples, but uh, had, had uh, um, served with or, or traveled with uh, the missionary Paul. And uh, so Mark wrote down, uh, an account of the, the Jesus ministry. And then Luke uh, was a doctor, uh, a, a scholar, and he traveled with Paul as well. And he also wrote the book of Acts. So uh, he wrote uh, a gospel and then the, the, the book of Acts about the early church. So, so these four books written by four different people and, and, and uh, each one from their own perspective. So they each had their own perspective and their own, even Matthew and John who had been ministering together had their own perspective and their own way of, of writing and all those kinds of things. So we get four stories, the same story, we see the same story, but you can compare and contrast different things. And, and certain ones saw certain things as more important than other things, so they would emphasize this, and, and one of the others would emphasize this. And, and so it's pretty significant that this one story is seen in all four, because, uh, because uh, they, they didn't there, there are miracles that are recorded in, in one or two or three, but not four. Miracles that, that, uh, that, that are recorded over here, but not over there. This one was recorded in, it seems like it's probably pretty important if it was included in all four of the Gospels. The, the passage here uh, starts off with when, when Jesus had, uh, had, had heard uh, what had happened. When Jesus had heard what had happened. Well, immediately, that makes us think, what happened, right? Uh, we've got to figure out what in the in the flow of the story here, uh, something happened, and it's the beginning or the catalyst of this whole story. So, so uh, when Jesus had heard what had happened, well, what happened? If you if you uh, look up just previous to that, you'll see that Jesus found out some pretty terrible news right before this story. He found out that John the Baptist, his cousin, his uh, his uh, uh, the guy that had gone ahead of him in ministry, prepared the way for the Lord. Uh, John the Baptist had been beheaded. Brutally murdered, brutally killed by the king because John had been uh, talking uh, about, uh, telling everyone that the king had been sinning in his sinful lifestyle and and uh, we don't have to go into all the details of that, but, but John was uh, put in prison and then had been beheaded. John's disciples and followers came and found Jesus and told him, and this says then, when Jesus had heard about it, he went off to a solitary place. He went out in the country. He wanted to be by himself. He, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't think anything else. If we had heard news like that, we would probably want to process that alone as well. But the crowds followed him. You can probably relate to that. Uh, you've probably had a time when you've wanted to be left alone and somebody wouldn't honor that. If you grew up with siblings, you can probably relate to at some point in life, you wanted to be left alone and they wouldn't. And maybe you had the line drawn in the seat, in the back seat, and you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side because you want to be left alone and someone's just continuing. Uh, I, we would not have, have uh, thought anything if this said that Jesus went off to a solitary place to be alone and after a couple of days, uh, spending time in prayer and in his grief, he, he felt rejuvenated and came back and ministered and it all worked. And that's, that's great. We probably wouldn't have thought anything if, uh, if we read in here that Jesus went off to a solitary place, the crowds found him, and he 
zapped them because he wanted to be alone, right? Uh, we, he, if he uh, got grouchy and wanted to, or uh, he uh, instead, it says, he, he didn't just uh, maybe heal a couple of people, do a couple, walk through the motions of things, and okay, that's it, that's enough. Uh, G, you know, maybe the disciples, Jesus has got to be on his way now. Let's uh, thank you, pictures later, whatever, and uh, ushered him away. We wouldn't have thought anything about that. We would have thought that would be normal, but uh, Jesus didn't do that. This says that when the crowds came to him and they found him, even in the midst of his grief, as he had gone to the solitary place to be alone, the crowds found him and Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. Pretty cool. For me, at least, it's pretty convicting because a whole lot of times I would want to maybe want to focus on my own self and my own feelings and, and not necessarily see or have compassion on those around me. And like I said, this wasn't just a one and done or, or uh, I'm going to heal a couple of people and, and uh, give a couple of tweets out so people can uh, you know, give some, some good juicy uh, teaching and then, then be on my way. Jesus spent the whole day with them. So much so that, uh, that, that the disciples came to him and said, hey, it's, uh, it's getting late here and uh, we we've maybe have an issue. Now, I'm convinced that the, uh, the disciples were not necessarily, they were probably just as, if not more concerned with their own hunger than with the crowds out on the, out on the, the hillside there that day. I'm pretty sure that they probably stood off to the side and they said, you know, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I am too. Where are we going to, well, I didn't bring anything. Did you bring, you know what? We need to get Jesus to get these people out of here because we got to get, and, and so, so they went to Jesus and they said, what are we going to do here? There's, uh, there's a bunch of people. It says there's 5,000, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So we could ballpark and say maybe there's 15 to 20,000 people. Quite a group, quite a dinner party. They had, uh, they had left everything that they'd been doing. You get the impression that, that, uh, that, that word spread throughout the community pretty quick when somebody saw Jesus get in a boat and kind of head off and they, they kind of watched and then they said, hey, Jesus is over, hey, let's do it. And they had heard about that Jesus had been healing people and teaching and all these things and so they just kind of left what they, what they were doing and they headed out, out into the country to find Jesus and they found him. He started healing them and everything snowballed and pretty sure soon they realized we didn't bring any food. We didn't prepare. We didn't realize this was going to happen today, and we're not ready. So here's the situation. Large crowd, late hour, lonely place, lack of food. Large crowd, late hour, lonely place, lack of food. A pretty overwhelming situation. We can relate to overwhelming situations, can't we? We go through those things. Maybe it's not that we're out in the middle of nowhere with no food. But some of us live in overwhelming situations. Some of us have been there. Some of us have walked through those times. Some of us are there a lot. But here's, here's the thing. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that every miracle of God begins with an overwhelming situation? It's kind of a prerequisite, right? You've got to have the overwhelming situation uh, before you need the miracle. Every miracle of God begins with an overwhelming situation. Problems are the prerequisites for miracles. <laughs> so, so large crowd, late hour, a lonely place, lack of food. Sounds like they're primed and ready for a miracle. There's, uh, there's a different way of looking at that, isn't it? We can get overwhelmed or we can recognize that it's time for Jesus to make all the difference. That could be, I, I don't know, that, that, that could be the one thing that you need to take away from this message today. 
What do you do in the face of overwhelming situations? Do you panic? Do you get depressed? Do you give up? Do you shake your fist at God? Do you freak out? Do you take it out on the people around you? Or do you realize that you are primed and ready for a miracle? There's, there's no, other, no better place to be if you're expecting a miracle than in an overwhelming situation. So many times in the face of problems, we see everything we lack instead of looking to the Lord. We see this, this uh, lack of food. We see this lonely place. We see this late hour. We see this huge crowd. We, we, we see all the things that are wrong instead of looking to God to make all the difference. So go to Jesus with your overwhelming situations and watch him work. Because when you're in one of those situations, you are in the perfect place for a miracle. Two things here that I think we can expect when we, when we go to Jesus. Uh, first is, he already knows about it. Uh, if, as I said, this is in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the, in the Gospel of John, we see that, that, that John actually puts a little thing in there that Jesus planned this in order to test his disciples. He, was, he, was already, he already knew about the situation. When the disciples came and said, hey, it's late uh, and we don't have any food, uh, Jesus already knew about it. When you go to God with your overwhelming situation, number one, he already knows about it. Number two, he just might use you to be part of the solution. That's what happened here with the, with the disciples. They, they came to Jesus, they expressed their concern for, for this overwhelming need to, to feed 20,000 people. And, and Jesus says, and I'm convinced, he said with a smirk on his face, why don't you get something to eat? What, what, you guys take care of this one. Uh, I'm kind of busy over here doing some, you know, Church work, uh, you need to, why don't you give them something to eat? The disciples are incredulous, right? There, there is no way. Some of the other gospel accounts flesh that out a little bit. Uh, it would take half a year's wages to buy enough food for this crowd, they said. Uh, are, are we going to go and buy food for all these people? They, uh, is, is, they, they were just incredulous that Jesus would ask them to be part of the answer to the problem. Now, we've never said anything like that to Jesus, I'm sure. And, and Jesus didn't say, we're going to go, why don't you go buy food for all these people? He didn't say, uh, go put your master chef hat on and uh, go, uh, go fix food for all these people. He didn't say, uh, he said, you give them something to eat. Now we're going to find out in just a little bit, that's exactly what they ended up doing. Uh, it just didn't pan out the way they were thinking in their head. You see, the Son of God chose to partner with them to overcome in an overwhelming situation. Uh, Jesus could have handled this situation in a lot of different ways, uh, but he didn't, he, he didn't need to use the disciples for this miracle. He, he, he wanted to. He wanted them to see what can happen when they offer all that they have and they partner with God to see that impossible things become possible. So Jesus asked them what they had, and, and all the Gospels tell us is that they, this, this Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us that they had a small lunch or a snack, they had five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, again, in the Gospel of John in the story, we, we find out where that lunch comes from. Uh, the, it appears that the, uh, the, the disciple, um, uh, Andrew, uh, found a, a kid in the crowd, and this boy had packed a lunch or a snack or his mom had or, or whatever. Anyway, he had this little snack, five loaves of bread and two fish. Not much at all. All that they had, all anybody had. And yet it seems like it was enough 
for a miracle. This, this gets me. I don't know if you've thought about it like this before or not. That boy in that whole sea of 20,000 people, that boy was the only person on the, on the hillside that, other than Jesus, the only person on the hillside that day that did not need a miracle. He had a lunch, right? I mean, he had his stuff. He was ready. He had, a, he had his five loaves of bread and his two. He didn't need a miracle. He could have been, uh, you know, selfish and kept it for himself and had everything that he wanted. I don't know whether five loaves, those, they say those loaves were probably pretty small and the fish were probably sardine. I don't know whether, whether he would have gotten a full on it, but he certainly would have had a whole lot more than anybody else. He could have kept it for himself. He could have been uh, generous uh, and, uh, and shared with the people around him. Hey, I've got five loaves and two fish. You want a fish? You want a piece of bread? Here, I'll, I'll tear that. And maybe three or four people around him, they all could have knocked down the hunger a little bit. And that would have been great too. He could have been selfish. He could have been generous on his own terms. Instead, he gave what he had to Jesus. All of a sudden, now he needs the miracle too, right? And again, I'm sure that you've never done that. I'm sure that you've never uh, kept what you had for yourself because you can't quite see your way through to, well, how is that going to... And so I'm going to just... I mean, I need this for... For me, or, or uh, I'm sure you've never been generous on your own terms. Like you see a, a logical way to do things, and so you go, "Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense to do that." But I guess I could help with this and this, and in my budget and all that. Then I can, and and so I'm sure that's the problem. Is with with those two scenarios, the problem is that there's so much more that can happen when we put our resources in God's hands instead of keeping them for ourselves. Or just sharing with, what, with the folks around us or sharing with what makes sense. Uh, uh, different, different example. Of course, money comes to mind. We think of resources and then money comes to mind. Uh, if, if you give to church, it can impact eternity for people. I'd say that's a pretty big impact, right? I'd say that, that, that that's a pretty big increase. If we keep it for ourselves, we take care of ourselves. If we give it to God and we give it to the church, eternity can be impacted for, for folks. They can, they can hear the message of Jesus through the church and experience the, 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 the mission and the ministry of God through the church through the church and its programs, uh, giving to missions. Uh, many of you not only give uh, in, the, in the offering each week to our local church, but you also uh, are giving faithfully and regularly to the missionary efforts of our, of our denomination and in 162 countries around the world where, where we have uh, missionaries literally on the ground working in, in people's lives. And, and God, so you give just a little bit and you might think, oh, it's not that much at all. But as we, as we give that, God multiplies that to meet and supply the needs. Oh, one thing that that uh, that our family does i know one of our uh, sunday school classes does and, and i know that several of you as well but through the church of the nazarene you can adopt a child and it's just 30 bucks a, a month so what a buck a day and uh, and and you adopt a child and that money goes to uh, provide them with the necessities of of, of life and and uh, our our child is from guatemala and uh, and and we uh, we give uh, to that each month and and maybe you didn't know that uh, maybe uh, maybe you uh, that might be something that you want to step into even, even uh, after this message. There's a, there's a little flyer on that little kiosk out there in the foyer. And it's, it's been out there a long time, but we haven't talked about it much. And, and so you can and, and talk about, uh, I mean, a lot of times, and we experience it in our country, uh, you give a dollar or two here 
it's multiplied exponentially in another country where it can provide so much more than we could ever possibly. That's just a little bit of the miracle that can happen in God's economy as we give a little bit. Supporting ministries, uh, our church uh, supports ministries uh, here in our community and, and many of you do personally as well. And, and so as we give those things, uh, they, will, uh, they, they, they provide much more than we could possibly, possibly think. Ministries like uh, Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, Oasis of Hope, uh, Crisis Pregnancy and Parenting Support. Uh, both of them have some, uh, some uh, banquets coming, a, a banquet uh, coming up here uh, in the next few weeks. And so we'll, uh, we'll let you know all about those things. But uh, just two ministries where as we give just a little bit, God can expand. So that's, that's finances. That's kind of easy to, to think about. Well, what about our resources uh, of other things that we have? Maybe your house or your car or, or uh, uh, something that... Uh, Something that you're good at or a hobby or, or, uh, your, your talents and skills and, and ability. What about your time? What about your, uh, your, uh, the, the things that, that, that you enjoy and people say, hey, you're good at that or you just take a little bit of time to, to draw. All of these things it, it spring out of this story to say, what do you have? I don't care if it's tiny and small and seems insignificant in the face of huge odds. What do you have? That if you keep it for yourself, you'll be supplied. If you maybe give on your own terms, it might help a little bit. But what do you have if you commit yourselves and surrender your whole self to Jesus? That he could do amazing, miraculous things with it. Bring what you have, give it to Jesus, and even in the face of overwhelming circumstances, he can use you to do the miraculous. As a church, we're getting, we're in the process of, of getting kind of specific, uh, or specific again, I guess, uh, kind of dig, digging down, drilling down on, uh, the specifics of what God wants us to do, uh, His vision, His mission for us specifically as a church. And we're, we're discovering that and our vision team has met a couple of times. We'll be meeting over the course of this year as, as we assess not only the needs of our community, but we also are assessing the, the, the gifts of, uh, and the, and the, the passions of our church. And how all that intersects and what God has chosen for us to do specifically uh, in, in, in this place, in this time, to make a difference for him in the world. Uh, and it's exciting as we, as we think through those things and think about, well, what do we have and, and what are we passionate about? And could God maybe use that to make a difference there or there or there? As we give ourselves completely to him, he makes all the difference. I think some people think that, uh, or maybe hold back from giving all to Jesus because they think they'll miss out. Kind of like that boy had to, I've got, I've got my stuff, uh, I've got my food, I don't need to give. And we might think, well, I can't give here, I can't give there, I can't uh, give my time over here because I need it for this, this, and this. There's so much more that... Um, when we give it up, there's so much more that comes back to us as well. I, I don't know if you've experienced that or not. Uh, I don't know if that boy would have gotten full on his snack or not, probably would have. When he gave it to Jesus, he uh, got back everything that he'd given and more. You, you notice here that people, the people in that crowd didn't just get a bite or two. They didn't have communion that day, okay? This was, this was a feast. So much so that they were, uh, there was a, a basket full, basket full of food left over for each disciple to pick up. So they ate, they were satisfied to the point that they had a meal and they had leftovers. So so this boy probably had more after he had given up his lunch to Jesus than uh, than he had initially. 
I'm not sure that I've ever gone on a mission trip where I've given, you know, pay to go and you take your time and you're away from your family and all those kinds of things. But I don't think I've ever gone on a, a mission trip where, where I haven't come back and thought I received so much more than I gave. Some of you, many of you that I've served with at various times and different trips and different opportunities have expressed the same thing. Virtually every person I've ever uh, experienced those things with have said the same thing. We experience, you experience more, the blessing that, that we receive. It's not that, oh, I'm just going to keep it to myself and, and there's so much more that can come even to us ourselves individually if we give up and surrender to God. We can't outgive God when we bring what we have and we watch him work, the blessings grow. I think another thing that keeps us from, from giving to God is, is thinking that, well, I don't have anything worth giving. I mean, Andrew said as much uh, in John chapter 6, verse 9. He said, yeah, we got this lunch, we got a couple pieces of bread and a couple fish, but how much, well, it says, uh, how far will this go among so many? Just to drop, I mean, look at all the people. I mean, we've got barely a lunch. Jesus, I mean, this is what we've got, but I, it's not really worth it. It's really the issue of looking at the lack instead of looking at the Lord, right? We, we look and see what we don't have instead of recognizing that Jesus makes all the difference. How far will this go among so many? We see the overwhelming problem, uh, and even if we do see some resources at our disposal, it seems so insignificant in the face of the need. We don't know where to begin, and it seems like just a drop in the bucket. And so I would challenge you to get your eyes off what you lack and instead focus on the fact that God is constantly taking what seems insignificant and doing amazing things with it. It's almost as though he gets joy out of using our ordinary offerings to do extraordinary things. I think it's awesome that Jesus used the disciples to do exactly what he told them to do in the beginning. You give them something to eat, uh, and then after they had doubted, and after uh, they they brought what little they had, and after Jesus prayed uh, over the bread and the fish, it says he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. It's exactly what he said. You give them something to eat. Now, it happened completely differently. They were thinking, oh, that means I've got to be in charge of it all. I've got to make sure this happens. Instead, it means bring what you have to Jesus. He's going to use you, and and you'll have the joy of serving him and making a difference in the lives of people. He didn't tell them how this was going to happen, but he, uh, he told them what they needed to do, and they ended up doing it. There are many other ways that Jesus could have fed these people. Um, in the book of Exodus, uh, there's a prerequisite, a couple of them, right? Uh, we could look back and see that God fed people by dropping bread from heaven. And Jesus could have said, God, drop bread from heaven. These people are hungry. 20,000 people here. We're out in the middle of the country. And, uh, and drop, or, or, uh, the, the bring, bring a bunch of birds in and we can catch them and grill them up and, and it'll be great. Those, those kinds of things happen in the Bible. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and, and stones could have become bread. Uh, Jesus could have provided food in a whole lot of ways, but he wanted to use his disciples. He wanted to use his followers to do miraculous things. The disciples served the people, but they only served what Jesus had provided. What is it that Jesus 
is saying to you, maybe in the middle of overwhelming circumstances, that he wants you to do. You give them something to eat. It might seem like a a crazy, impossible, uh, it might seem completely out of the question, uh, but is there something that he is asking you to offer to him and he's going to use you as part of the solution to bring the miracle? He wants to bring the miracle, but he wants to use you to do it. So I don't know if anything comes to mind. Uh, maybe something does, uh, but don't force it. I, I want you to realize that this isn't that the disciples said, got in their little huddle over in the corner and said, uh, hey, it would be an awesome thing if we could feed all these people, wouldn't it? Man, I, you know what? You go get the pizza and you go get the, and, and why don't you, and we'll, and oh, oh, Jesus, can you pray for us before we get started? <laughs> we do that a lot of the time. The church does that a lot of the time. The preacher does that a lot of the time. We get these great ideas. Wouldn't it be awesome if God would? And so we, and we, and, and oh God, uh, can you bless this while we're heading out into completely different picture? See, Jesus had a plan and he wanted the disciples, his followers, to be part of that plan. It wasn't that the disciples came up with a plan and they wanted God to bless that plan. So don't force it. Don't dream up something uh, that's of your own doing and then expect God to come in and bless it. But listen to him. And if there's something on your heart and you're going, I don't think that's, wow, I could never do, <laughs> well, this is, I mean, that's overwhelming. There's no, that just might be the very thing that he's calling you to do. Maybe it's something that he's laid on your heart and you've been pushing it away for a long time. I could never do that. Oh, that's, that's too hard. I, I couldn't make a difference in that situation. I, or, or maybe it's something you just don't want to do. Ah, you know what? Um, God, that sounds like a great idea for somebody else, but I'm not up to that and I don't want to. I'm comfortable where I am and I've, I, I've, I, I like life right now and I don't want to step out into anything else. I, I don't know where you are today, but I know the Holy Spirit does. And I know that if we're listening to him, that he will make it clear to us what it is he wants us to do with the few resources that we have. I'm not talking about your money or or anything else unless, unless God is talking about those things to you. What is it that God is asking you to bring to him so that he can multiply it and make all the difference? Father God, We give ourselves to you today. What little that we have, what what, uh, seems insignificant, uh, what seems maybe broken or or just not not really anything that's going to make a difference. Lord, we bring ourselves to you today and we ask that you would make all the difference. Lord, you are moving and and working. Your spirit is, is flowing in this place. And so I pray that we would be attentive to you and that we would respond in obedience, whatever it is, whatever it is you want to do in and through our lives. We, we're on board, and we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, 